Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I'm prompted by God to preach from a very popular verse that I believe at one point, if you have been in salvation for quite some time, you have heard the preaching of it, or perhaps even I myself have mentioned but um, it touches a very important aspect of our times. And today again, the Lord gives me another lens for you to see through some of these things. And I believe that this will take us to the next level in God. In Haggai, the prophet, the second chapter, the ninth verse, the Bible says, let's all read. One, two, three, let's go. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. Uh-huh. Saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to speak to us through this text in Jesus' mighty name. We're all living in that expectation of fulfillment that the glory of the latter church or house shall be greater than the glory of the former, says the Lord of hosts. It's easier to digest it if you're not a deep contemplator. But if you're a deep contemplator, you have to go through biblical history to see the things God has done through men. Men who floated axes, men who laid their bodies on dead children and they breathed life, men who walked in the valleys of dry bones and spoke a prophetic word, and these bones grew muscles, sinew, and got blood and cells, and eyes poked out, and they became a living army. Men who stopped the sun because there was war and they needed to win. And if the sun went down, they would not defeat their own enemies. Men who provoked God to reverse time and the sun by a few degrees only to justify his prophetic word on their destinies. Men who were valiant in battle. Men who tore the mouths of lions with their bare hands. I'm talking of Samson. Men who parted seas, men who appeared in one place and disappeared and went to another place, who moved without any vehicle. Let's go back to Enoch. Let's go back to the experience of Elijah. The scriptures tell us that Elijah had moments of appearing in certain places and disappearing and being found in other places. So Philip repeating it in the New Testament, we had seen it before. There was a higher glory than that. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. Men like Moses who built nations from nothing. Men like Solomon with the wealth that they had and the wisdom. And God says that the glory of the latter church shall be greater than the glory of the former. Think about it. Honda, Selah. Think about it. So today, I came to preach to you a sermon entitled, The Power to Change Your Generation. Praise the Lord Jesus. The Power to Change Your Generation. Not to touch it, but to change it. Some people touch lives, but they don't change them. I hope by now, you have come to recognition that you were not born to live a normal, ordinary life and get married and have children and drive a nice car and build a nice house somewhere and then you go to heaven. I believe if you've been in this ministry for quite some time, we have provoked you to understand that God has not called you to live an ordinary life. I refuse to live an ordinary life. Somebody say I hope by now you have a dream of touching the world. Who, me? Yes, you. Me, apostle? Yes, you, the one I'm talking to. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. He can use anybody at any age, under any color, in any place, with any tribe, whether educated or not. God can use anybody. But not many of us can dare to believe. Praise the Lord. And tonight, that's what I want to show you. Because if God tells me that I have to do more than Elijah, more than Elisha, more than Abraham, more than Moses, that generation looks to us. Oh my goodness. And the Bible says somewhere in Hebrews that they obtained promises, but their testimony would not be full without us. Ah, yeah, yeah. Their testimony would not be full without us. They healed the sick. They did miracles, signs and wonders. But the Bible says God provided some better thing for us that without us, the Bible says, they should not be made perfect. Moses is not perfect without your story. Eh? Abraham is not perfect without your story. Jeremiah is not perfect without your story. Isaiah is not perfect without your story. Jacob and Isaac are not perfect without your story. And I love that the scripture says God having provided some better. I wish you can read that in the Amplified Version. The Bible speaks of God had us in mind. Listen, he had us in mind and had something better and greater in view for us. No, no. Some of you are getting it in your head, not in your spirit. Listen, God had us in mind. When Elijah was spatting the sea, God had you in mind and says, no, that one will do better. Somebody shout hallelujah. When Moses spats the waters, God said no, but I have you in mind 
and I have something better and greater in view for you. So that they, these heroes and heroines of faith, should not come to perfection apart from us before we could join them. They cannot be perfected without us. What a glory. What a glory. Tell your neighbor, what a glory. I don't know, sometimes some of you, the word hits you. So I'm not going to go into, oh, why? Why aren't we seeing what we're supposed to see? I'm going to tell you what I know and I've seen by God is the secret for every generation. You see, I always tell people that God moves in seasons, in times, in periods. You agree? And the way God moves in every age is different from the way he has moved in an age before. Some ages are progressive in the ways of God and some generations are regressive. They go back. And I've shared before that from Malachi to the time when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was more than 400 years of silence. Were there no prophets? They were. I'll give you an example. Simeon was a prophet, isn't it? When he sees Jesus, he says that my eyes have seen the salvation of what? Of Israel. Now it is okay. You can take your word. Your servant. That is our prophets during that time. But in that period of 400 and so years, it was not important for God to keep history. Those are generations that lived and died without a testimony. That is why I tell people we refuse for our generation to pass away when we have not left a mark. Let me say it again. We refuse for our generation to pass away when we have not left a mark. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because it is what? It is possible to leave a mark. And it's also possible to live life and die without any story. I have believed God that we are writing history in Uganda. I have believed God that we are writing history in Africa. I have believed God that we are writing history in the whole world from Uganda. Somebody shout hallelujah. Every one of us is writing something. You might not be on the pulpit here, but we are writing something. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. They might not know your name yet, but it's only a matter of time. We are writing something. Somebody shout amen. amen. So we ask ourselves, what do we need? And the Lord shows me that in every generation, in every generation to come, there is always a grace that he gives that comes to that generation in form of revelation and knowledge. You see what I'm saying? And if that generation cannot connect to the revelation of the age, to the wisdom of that eon, that age given by God, I'm not talking about the wisdom of this world. I'm talking about the wisdom of 
God. If a person cannot connect to that wisdom, then it means that they will live a normal life. They will live a predictable life and they will die as average men and women. Now the Bible says, and I promise to share some here in Daniel, the 12th chapter, the 4th verse. It says, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Now listen, it says, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Why? Because in Amos, he promised a hunger and thirst, not of water and bread, but of the hearing, the Bible says, of the word of God. Amos 8, 11. He says, Behold, the days come, say the Lord, when I will send a famine in the land. He says, Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water. He says, But of hearing the words of God. What does verse 12 say? And says, And they shall wander from sea to sea, from north even to east. They shall run to and fro, to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find. Now here in Daniel, by the Spirit, God gives him a vision of the time of they which will be seeking to and fro, wandering sea to sea, not finding the word. And then he says, in the same time where some seek and cannot find, there is a group also of people who will be seeking to and fro, but the difference with them is knowledge shall be increased as they seek. Slap somebody and tell them it's me. There are people who are seeking, but they cannot find. And there are people who are moving to and fro with hunger and thirst because of the state of their heart and what God has done in their lives. They are connecting to something so big and so deep. And he tells one and says, you shall seek me and not find me. But then he tells another, you shall seek me and find me. Because it's not about seeking. The foundation of your heart is important. The purification of your conscience is important. And I'll get to that a bit later before I finish. Somebody shout hallelujah. There are people in this world who seek God but they can never find him. They seek God and they can never find him. They are praying. They go on prayer mountains and they fast for days and months and separate themselves and they have a certain understanding or revelation quote and unquote in seeing God. But in what they call seeing God, it's actually the usual life and its provisions that God has given all mankind, that even those who don't know him actually receive better. And they call that what? Seeking. Because it's not just about seeking God. It's about the preparation of your heart when you're seeking God. Those of us who have been in the gospel for 10, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, my goodness, people have sought God. If you think you pray, there is always somebody in the world who prays better than you. And I'm not saying I'm against prayer. I'm a man of prayer. If you think that you're fasting, there is somebody who is fasting longer than you are. I don't think that I'm against fasting. 
Because maybe I fast more than many of you. But there is nothing as frustrating as living for God and seeking and applying yourself and you just don't connect to certain glory. It is disturbing. It's not easy to understand it when you're two or three years old in the gospel. But it's easy to understand if you've done five, ten years, fifteen years, twenty, thirty, forty years in the gospel. You understand the difference. Because when a man or woman has walked with God for so long, there must be a certain testimony on their life that justifies their place with God. Because the experiences of the Spirit age us. God does not work with physical age. He works with spiritual experience. There's a man who is 90, but has not experienced God longer than a man who is 20. Because it's not about how long or how much we pray. It's about what happens in the moments when we are with him. And that's a hard conversation to tell certain people. Because even in that which was supposed to be a work of grace in our communion with God, for many, it has become a work as a fulfillment of some sort of law to get a hold of God. And that's not how it works. Because the revelation is not in our efforts. Revelation is in the death of yourself. The yielding of your spirit to God. The breaking of your heart. Because many of us are of so many ways carnal, very carnal, very carnal. We are functioning in the flesh more than we know, more than we think. And we have learned the outward temperament. The act up that I see every day in the church as of to imply that because we have learned how to fold our faces, how to pale them up when we are fasting, you know, how to sound like a certain anointed manix, therefore it presupposes that we have a place with God. And all of those things are an outward experience. They have no bearing with God when he's dealing with you. That is why our generation should understand why God called it the secret place. It is not secret because it is hidden from the physical eye. It is not secret because you hide yourself away when you're praying. It is secret because it is consecrated in the purity, again, of his wisdom. I'll get to that a bit later. The Bible says that wisdom from above is first of all what? pure. It begins with the purity of the spirit. Then the peace that comes out of the revelation of the experience of that purity and then gentleness, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. When you're talking about good fruits, you're talking about signs, miracles and wonders. Those are a bit lower in the dimension of divine thought. Some things to God are more important than others. That is why he has not built gifting to propel you to purpose and assignment. No. Gifting follows purpose and assignment. And he can let you stay with a gift without purpose and assignment. Because that is without repentance. Giftings are important. But they're not as precious to the Father as purpose. And he would rather let you corrupt 
or even compromise those gifts and still leave them with you. Because as they are gifts, the Bible tells us we can even desire any gift and receive it. It's in the realm of understanding how it works. The wisdom of churning this milk into butter and the rock, the Bible says, will pour out an oil when you wash your steps with butter. The steps here representing the preaching of the word, of the gospel. And any man who understands the place of faith and the secret of working out the word, it is easy to connect to any gift of the spirit that they so desire. The Job says that those are the steps that I wash with butter. But the Bible says, but the churning of milk brings what? Butter. As babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you might what? Grow therein. So from being a child, the milk is churned and then it becomes butter. And then the butter washes the steps of a man. And the Bible says, and the rock, which is the Christ, pours you out rivers of oil. This anointing usually functions in the realm of gifting. Gifts. He says we should desire the best gifts. You know why he says we should desire the best gifts? Covet honestly the best gifts. Covet honestly the best gifts. Because he says it's possible for you to actually want a gift and get it. It's possible. It's not with hell. Some are born with them, but some connect to them through impartation. If you don't know how, you just need to find the wisdom how, but you can connect to any gift. Yeah, it will create way. And that's an important aspect. It will create way. But he has said, but I show you a more excellent way. That means there is a realm higher than the gifting on a man. That is why for those of you pastors, you will notice that there are men in this world who don't look so gifted, but they have very wonderful ministries. They can't open a blind eye. They can't heal cough or flu, but they have wonderful ministries. And then there are those who can do anything, even fly in the air, but they cannot build a ministry because the gift and assignment are two different things. There is a more excellent way. That's what separates the man who is a lasting and the man who is thirsty or hungry for God. Because I always tell you, they look like they're the same, but they're different. One is transactional. One is a death. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you are thirsting and hungering for the things of the spirit, it leads to a certain death of the flesh that the spirit man will leave to you. But if you are lasting, whatever the Lord will add on your life, it shall be a transaction. It will feel your pride. It will boast and inflate your ego. You will change. Some of you, you're humble because you don't have certain things. And that's the truth. We can only greet you now because perhaps the person who is supposed to pay your rent told you, come to Fanero, come. We shall meet after service. Hey, Kulina, you understand? But the day you get money, Marara Badego, Sikala Badego. Somebody shout hallelujah. And it's so funny that God in his sovereign wisdom and infinite mercy there are even provisions that come because certain men have appropriated certain laws, even when they are not mature for certain graces, and God will let it because he can't break certain laws. Spiritual. Are you learning something? Now let's go back to what I say. Here is a secret. He says in Daniel that men will run to and fro 
And as they are running to and fro, the Bible tells us that knowledge shall be increased. And of course, it is found by a certain group of people. In the last days, knowledge shall be increased. Now let me go deep into this thing and make you understand it. It means when Paul was writing or teaching, he recognizes his place and he says, as a master builder, it was given to me to lay the foundation and another builders their own. Who is that other? Who is that other? You. Do you think everybody who has received Jesus Christ from the time of Paul has actually built on that foundation? Uh-uh. That is why he warns and says, let every man take heed how he builds. For there should be no other foundation to be laid save this foundation. However, if you should say that I am building, take heed how you build. And he says, some build with gold, some build with silver, some build with precious stones, some build with hay, some build with stubble. So what happens when the furnace comes and finds hay? What happens when the furnace comes and finds wood? What happens when the furnace comes and finds stubble? But what happens when the furnace comes and finds gold? Every time the furnace comes and finds gold, it is a puri fire. Somebody shout hallelujah. But he says that in every generation, again, I'm going to come to the purification. Put a note there, a mental note. I'm going to come back to that. The purification by fire. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, he says in that day, in every day, as long as Christ is not yet back, in every generation, the one thing God is going to continue to increase till the return of Christ is knowledge. That means you cannot be effective by functioning on the revelation of Paul. Because it is foundation. And people don't live in foundations of buildings. You can't say I'm going to build a house. And then you build its foundation. And then you put a bed and a chair on a foundation. And then watch television on a foundation. Hey. So he says take heed how you build. Paul knew that this work was going to the next level. I was not going to be the last thing to ever come. I rest tell people we might never or cannot dig deeper than Paul. But definitely, God has called every generation to build higher than Paul. That is why the Bible says that the path of the just shines brighter and brighter and to a perfect day. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. He says in that day, wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. It is true for your times. But in the generations to come, if you're going to heaven and your children are here, it shall still be true, Isaiah 33 verse 6, that wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times and the strength of your salvation. It is one thing for you to understand the gospel. It's another thing for you to connect to the wisdom of your generation. Who understands what I'm saying? It is one thing to understand the simple story that Jesus shed his blood and he was raised for our justification. That is enough to guarantee you heaven. You will go to heaven for sure. But it's another thing for you to understand eternal life. He says, for this is eternal life that you might know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. It's another thing to know him deeper. You know, 
you will go to heaven anyway. Because the man who is on his deathbed, if he receives Jesus Christ, he goes to heaven anyway. And some have been blessed enough to do that on their deathbed. But this is what I'm trying to tell you. It's one thing to understand the doctrines. It's another thing to catch the revelation of your generation. It's one thing to understand the mysteries demystified. But it's another thing to catch the revelation of your age as God has sent it. Because God builds glory against the wisdom or knowledge or revelation that he has given for that age. And every age has its depth of interpretation and understanding. It has its depth of vision and perception. That's one thing people don't understand. That God to move in our generation, he's going to have to do more than he did in Paul's day. For God to move in our generation, he's going to have to do more than he did in Jesus' day in the flesh. Because the challenges of our times are not the challenges of Jesus' day. There was no internet, there was no Netflix, there was no YouTube, there was no TikTok, there was no gas prices. And <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. You can be a very good teacher. But without the substance for your generation. You can be a wonderful worshiper. But without the substance for your generation. You can be a good prophet. But you might not be functional in your generation. And you could have been 200 years ago. Somebody shout hallelujah. The spirit is the same. But the move is different. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why he says that as we behold like in the mirror the glory of God, what happens? We are changed. Because that change is important. It doesn't mean that we're going to throw what's old. No. We begin from there because it's a womb. If you've not understood the power of the womb, you cannot understand the revelation of being planted. That's why some of you are simply visitors under certain graces not planted under them. The Bible says, he that is planted in the house of the Lord, he shall flourish in the courts of our God. And the Bible says, that kind of man shall still bring forth fruit in his old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing, and their leaves shall not wither. That means, it's a false statement to say, oh, you know, you just celebrate God in your generation. The time will come, when another generation comes, as long as I'm alive, it's my generation. Can I say it again? As long as you are alive, this is your generation. As long as you are alive. It ends when you go to heaven. Somebody shout hallelujah. But as long as you're still breathing oxygen, this is your generation. And you have the choice to choose what you do with it. But he has promised that even in your old age, Marado Gosata, he says even in your old age, you shall still Bring forth fruit in your old age. Fruit will come. <laughs> fruit will come. Whether you're 90, fruit will what? Whether you're 80, fruit will come. That means you will stand on the pulpit like some of us who intend to live longer. And a revelation will come out of you. Hey! And at 90, it will still sound new. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now this is not only... Get me right here. This is not only for those of us who are preaching on the pulpit. This knowledge thing can get into a scientist. This knowledge thing can get into an engineer. This knowledge thing can get into an interior decorator. 
This knowledge thing can get into an artisan. This knowledge thing can get into a mechanic, a civil engineer. This mechanic thing can get into a person who did what? Counseling and psychology. This knowledge thing can get into somebody who had a degree with industrial art. And by the grace of Meraki, the self in a thing, you beautify a subject that people thought could not work. You know, some of you, when you go to school, they tell you, you know, do marketable subjects. Let me tell you the truth. There is nothing unmarketable <laughs> when you have the Holy Spirit. Come on, slap somebody and tell them they're talking about me. Hey, because in every aspect of life, there is somebody who has succeeded in what you call what? Simple. The other day I was studying an interesting Turkish fellow. I think now he's in the United States and he makes meat. You know that guy who throws salt like that? Salt by. Is this salt by? The guy makes meat. Who cannot learn how to cook or roast meat? Who cannot learn? I mean, go to Turkey. Oh, now they say call it Turkey. I have been to Istanbul. Almost every shop on the corner knows how to make meat almost like that. Or if not like that. Because he learned it from there too. The boy is a millionaire in dollars by just roasting meat. Then you tell me, my son, don't start the roasting meat. Why? <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. It's not about what you studied. It's not about your job. Hey, a man with the Holy Spirit can clean a toilet and become a billionaire. The rest is not to the swift. Neither the battle to the strong. Neither bread to yet men which are wise. Nor yet riches to men of understanding. Yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happens to them all. The only difference is how you use your time and opportunity. And the Hebrew word there for time is experiences. Interestingly. Whoa. Experiences and opportunity happen to them. If you can't understand that mystery, you'll never understand why in the spirit realm there are windows and there are doors. Oh yes. Have you read? The Bible says do this, do this and do that and I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a word. But in one portion of scripture, he tells them, pray for us that we might have doors of word. Utterance. A great and effectual door has been opened before me. But behold, there are great adversaries. So in the spirit realm, there are windows and there are doors. Go back to that portion of scripture, time and chance. Experiences and opportunity. Opportunity is your door. Experiences are your windows. No man with a secret in every generation has not a distinctive window open to him. Every man that I've read in scripture or history, present or modern or old, you realize if you study them individually, you can find their window. You can find their window. I found mine years ago and it was in a vision of the night. I remember very well when my window opened. And the instructions that came to that window. I 
And from then on, my personal ministry changed. It changed. Every time I get into my secret place, why we call it secret? Again, it's because it's a place where the conscience is purified in hearing God. Not just hearing God, but the conscience is purified in hearing God. I tell you, all of us hear God in different degrees. At one point, he's going to <laughs> baptize his son. And some hear what? A thunder. But yet in that very thunder, somebody else had a voice. So God spoke. And one person had thunder. And someone said, oh my goodness, there was a thunder. And they're right. But then within that thunder, somebody had a voice. When you walk with God, you hear him speaking even through trees. Oh, oh, the gospel is foolishness. Oh, 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 oh. Because if it finds a random guy, <laughs> you can find him talking to a tree. God is speaking through you. Ah, hey, 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 hey. Oh, yes. With Moses, he was in a burning bush. One day, trees. There were trees. Didn't God speak through them? In the Old Testament, he was a rock. <laughs> How many heard it speak? But it could have spoken if a man was positioned right. Somebody shout hallelujah. Back to what I'm saying. Everyone, everyone that is truly awakened by God, because it's possible to be born again but asleep to certain realities. Everyone that is awakened by God has a window that is open to them. And as long as you get into your secret place, that purified conscience connecting to God, and that window opens, and you can see through that window. Nothing in this realm can scare you. Nothing in this realm can scare you. Trust me. Because you have a certain vision with God. You have a secret with God. But not many people are able to understand it. Because a man needs to first go there and see. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. Also the windows of heaven to bless. The windows of heaven to bless. Huh. The challenge is that only some people understand it through Malachi or they understand the tense only through their financial giving. But I want you to forget the Bible says, bring ye all the tithes. All the tithes. It didn't say, bring ye your tithe. It says, bring ye all the tithes. There are many tithes. There are several tithes. It's not your one dimension of giving what? Money. Somebody shout hallelujah. Even with the Levitical, we have what they call a heave offering, which is also a form of a tithe. But it's more than just the things we give because we have made an income. And you're still dealing with Christians who can't even what? Give a tenth. In fact, if you have understood grace, you're not supposed to tithe. You're supposed to give more. That's why I charge you by God. If you understand this mystery, Never give a tenth ever again. You earn a hundred thousand shillings, and then you have to tithe ten thousand. At least add one hundred, and begin from there. Ten thousand one hundred. You understand? Add it to your faith. You'll be amazed at what God will do, because New Testament people are supposed to be above that. Somebody shout hallelujah, because to God it's not the money. He doesn't need your money. No. You have failed to understand that he's checking your heart. 
How much of what I've given you is really yielded to me? It's more than money. It's more than money. It's more than money. When you give your heart to God, you understand it more. Because you learn, the Bible says, to observe his ways. You learn to observe his ways, to understand how it functions. Somebody shout hallelujah. In the last days, he says, knowledge shall be increased. Even in 1970, they were saying we're in the last days and they were right. Even in 1960, they were saying these are the last days and they were what? Right. But as long as this statement is true, in every generation, God has promised this constant change. Revelation. Knowledge shall be increased. The Hebrew word there is raubau, meaning it shall become greater. In every generation, knowledge shall become greater. In every generation, raubau also means shall come in abundance. Raubau also means in multiplications. That means our generation must have a multiple experience of revelation from Paul. That everything we read by Paul should be multiplied in our vision. Oh my goodness. When I understood this, the Bible opened to me. I no longer open the Bible. It opens. Every time I read it, it's open. Every time I read Paul, I understand him in many dimensions. I can explain what he meant. Because it's supposed to be multiplied to you. Every letter you read in that Bible is supposed to be multiplied by revelation to you. If you cannot get that secret, you will never change your generation. Somebody said hallelujah. You will never change your generation. But let me tell you why. Many people don't connect to this. Because of our previous nature, especially for those of us who are born again now, our previous nature, the fallen nature, you remember when man was in the garden before the fall, he had a very different vision about God and life. Adam and Eve had a very different vision about God and life. And the purity of that experience was the light under which they were created and given every blessing. Dominion was under that light. Remember in the beginning, God said, let there be light. He first created what? Light. And under that light, he made all things. You see? Then he says, now let us make man in our own image and likeness. Under that same light. Without that light, God will not create. It was important for God to first put that light there. It's not the light of the sun. That's Genesis 1.14. Where he says, and then he put firmaments in the sky, in the heavens, to divide the day from the night, and they are for signs for seasons and for days and for years. And in the 15th verse, it says, and these lights are to give light upon the earth. He's talking about the sun, the moon, and the stars. That is not the light I'm talking about. That's Genesis 1, 14 into 16. The light I'm talking about is the one in the beginning. And God said, let there be light. Verses 3, thank you. Let there be light. In 14, he says, he created lights. Those are plural. Stars are lights. The moon is among those lights. They are lights. Those are lights in the firmament. The light is one. That was the first thing he created. In the beginning, the Bible says the earth was without form and it was void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. The part therefore darkness is ignorance. Ignorance. 
was upon the face of the deep. And the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. Verses 3. And he said, Let there be light, because there must be a light under which I must create everything. Without that light, nothing has its true essence in the vision that I have for it and purpose. So do not forget that man was created under a certain light. The power, the dominion, the authority, the responsibility to subdue the earth and replenish it and have power over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. All of that was under a certain light. All of that instruction and vision was under a certain light. He did not come to check whether it was true that the lion would respond to him. Because under that light, there was no corruption of revelation in that light for him to assume that he would walk to a lion and it would harm him. In fact, he named them all. These creatures are against us now because we are under a fallen world. And the vision is corrupted. Their vision of humanity is corrupted. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm going so deep. So, for Adam and Eve, to have a tree of life. The Bible says in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Do you agree? In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Go back to Genesis. There was a tree of life. What did that tree signify? Did it have fruit? Did he refuse him to eat it? God never refused him to eat of it. We don't see that he ate from it. If he did, we don't know that. Nothing shows us scripture that he ate from it. In fact, after the fall, God refuses him to eat because he will preserve himself in a corrupt nature. Are you following? Now, there's something I want to show you. Man is created under the true light. And then he chooses to follow the advice of the what? Of the serpent. When he follows the advice of the serpent, he goes for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Something switched the light through which man functioned from the day he ate the forbidden fruit. Because now it fell in the realm of morality. What is good? What is bad? What is good? What is bad? That's how man started to understand by the time a man is debating between what is good and what is bad, that man has already been corrupted by some sort. And the light has been changed. Remember, Satan is transformed as an angel of light. Do not forget that Satan cannot function without illumination. That is why to tell you how deep this is, he says, if the light in thee be darkness... Or what sort of darkness it is. In other words, it is possible for a man to assume that he has a light. Which light is actually darkness. It's possible for a man to assume they have a light. Which light is actually darkness. That's the experience of assuming that you're right yet you're wrong. And you do not know that you are wrong. It's possible. When the Pharisees get Jesus and he wants to crucify him. He thinks he's serving God. But he was under the work of the devil. When they beat Paul, they think that they're beating a man who is breaking the Jewish traditions. 
but they actually do not know that they are beating a man who is laying the foundation of the gospel. It is possible for a man to see God under another light. God, God in God. I mean, a man walked into a building and Jesus was teaching and he called him Beelzebub, the prince of demons. Oh my goodness, maybe that man dreamt it. Maybe he was seated there and then he got a vision. You know, you have people who are so shallow. They just dream about you and you become a problem. You think that everything they dream is from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it is as dark as the form of light it actually casts. It is as dark as the form of light it casts. That is so dangerous to think. Because it will assume to be right when it is what? Wrong. Are you following what I'm saying? Do you know how many things we think we are actually doing right by God? We think we are doing by scripture, but we don't have the results of our actions because actually, maybe, just maybe, we're functioning under an indifferent light. Have you ever asked yourself the question? Because if you're fasting and praying, why don't you see God? If you're fasting and praying under the true light, Bible says in Corinthians, for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, he has shined in our hearts to give, the Bible says, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of the latter church shall be greater than the glory of the former. Listen, this glory he has said of God comes in a certain knowledge and that knowledge comes from a certain light, which light he has shined in our hearts. So when God wants to give you knowledge, he sends it in form of the light. When it comes in your spirit, it becomes revelation and knowledge. And when it becomes revelation and knowledge, it starts to reveal the glory of God out of you in the face of Jesus as you read the word. That is how the pattern works. The mystery of unveiling things, apocalypsis, is not only with the eyes that see, it is the light that lights on those things because dependent on which light lights the thing, it could appear differently to the man with the eyes that see. A blind man's eyes were open and he saw men as trees, yet he had never seen a tree. That means he had a certain revelation or perception or understanding of what a tree was. Why would he say, I see men as trees, yet he had never seen trees? Who told him that those were trees? And then Jesus realized, uh -uh, this man's problem is actually, there's a different light in his vision. The light casting on whatever his eyes see. He's seeing trees. And then he turns. And then he lays hands. How can men walk as trees? He says, I see men walking as trees. I see men walking as trees. Who told this man that trees walk? And let me tell you something. In this realm, they might not walk. In this realm, they might not walk. But perhaps in a certain realm of vision, they walked. And God realizes, oh, oh, he has been opened to another realm. He lays hands on him and gives him the right vision to see this realm as he's supposed to see it. If people who are mad can start seeing things chasing them which don't exist, do you know why? Because they've entered unfamiliar realms. 
and they don't go there with the right light to see things as they are supposed to what? Be seen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. That's why I said it's important to define the purity of the spirit because the wisdom from above comes firstly in its purity before it escalates and disintegrates into the various realms or dimensions of function. It has to begin from the core foundation, the purity of the spirit. The Greek word for purity is katharos. And what is purity? Interestingly, it's a pruning. Like you'd prune a tree and cut off all unnecessary stuff for it to grow successfully. That's purity. That's purifying. The taking off of the unnecessary. The separation of the lawful from the expedient. The separation from the lawful and expedient. Not the precious from the vile. That's knowledge of good and evil. That's an Old Testament experience. Paul says, all things are lawful unto me. And not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me. But I will not be brought under the power of any. That's a higher level of understanding because we're not in the realm of the knowledge of good and evil. We transcend out of that. We transcend out of that. It also means free from corrupt desire. That means a man does not go in the presence of God with a corrupted interpretation as he lays his desire before God. And why is it corrupted? Is it because the man has asked for a wrong thing? No, it is corrupted because the spirit and the heart that asks is seeking to transact, not purpose. And their mind might assume that it is purpose. But until the purification comes, they cannot tell the difference. Examine ye yourselves whether you be in the faith. Why would he tell us to do that when we are already born again? He says, because you could become reprobates and not know. You might get stuck in life and stay in one place for many years and ask yourself, why hasn't this stuff changed? Because in the spirit realm, you're reprobate. You're not even advancing. You're actually regressing. There are people from the time they receive Jesus, they start getting worse in life, which is not supposed to be so. We're supposed to be better when we receive Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. In the Levitical sense, this very word katharos is the use of that which is not forbidden. The use of that which is not forbidden. Go back to the two trees. The tree of life was here. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was here. And he's saying, Tataros, the purity of the spirit is the use of that which is not forbidden. What was not forbidden? Every tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The translation from the vision of what is right and what is wrong to the translation of the vision of the life that you have in God, because that's the very life that will give you the true light. That's the light that shines in darkness and darkness could not comprehend him. When a man is in that realm, above that there is no law. Because darkness cannot take him to evil. Darkness cannot bring sin in your life. Darkness cannot allow stuff to consume you. Darkness cannot hold you. Darkness comprehended it not. Not does will not comprehend it, but comprehended it not. It's a past tense. Darkness never understood light when it was on the face of the earth and God said, let there be light. From that day, there was a confusion with darkness and it will never understand light. That is why when you understand this thing, you will learn that you don't need to live under the law to live right. So I don't blame people who think, oh, 
They've exalted the law above the revelation of Christ. I've seen it many times. They've exalted the law above the revelation of Christ. And the law has become bigger than Christ. Yet Christ came as a fulfiller of that law. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says that the law was a schoolmaster that brought you to Christ. But now that you are under Christ, you are not under the law. Now you're under faith. You're under Christ. The law was a schoolmaster. Now you're not under the schoolmaster. You're under the law of faith. It's Galatians 3. So I understand why some people have a problem with the law and grace. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. Somebody shout hallelujah. Using that which is not forbidden. In this essence, taking a hold of eternal life. That's why the Bible says, take hold of eternal life. That's what the Bible says. Take hold of eternal life. Take hold of eternal life. But Adam couldn't do it. God would not allow him to touch it with a corrupted desire, with a corrupted vision. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so in that realm, you'll understand why the Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. It says, but to the defiled, comma, and unbelieving. And unbelieving. The Bible says, nothing is pure. Even their mind and conscience is defiled. The problem is the defiling that they have in their spirits and the unbelief. It's not the thing in its own. When you understand this, you will realize that God has invited you to think like him. To think like him. The Bible says, who has known the mind of Christ, that he may instruct him. Oh, but we have the mind of Christ. What does the Amplified Bible say? We have the mind of Christ, the Messiah. Listen, and do hold the thoughts, the feelings and purposes of his heart. Now, if you have the mind of Christ, can you waste yourself? Can you live a sinful life when you have the mind of Christ? No. We are showing them a more excellent reality that not many people are able to see because they don't have the revelation of their generation. Some are still stuck in Moses. They are still in the glory of Moses. Somebody shout hallelujah. Then Jesus tells them, blessed are the pure, for they shall see God. Why do I emphasize the purity of this heart? Because it allows you to see with the right light. And the light that casts on the things that you should see and the eyes that see the things on which this light casts is the unveiling of everything. The Greek word is apocalypsis. And once these things are availed to you, God gives you understanding. And when you understand whatever has been unveiled to you, and then you target to purpose, then is the essence of revelation. And it says the revealed things belong unto you. And where those things are, manifestation, the law of translation is at work. Every day you will be manifesting that very bearing of experience in the spirit. This is what I caught. I caught the message for my generation. That's what I have. That's what I gave. Understand it. 
We can be persecuted, abused, accused falsely. We can go through it all. But we'll keep preaching. Nothing is going to stop it. Because if I can tell you how many people individually have been transformed by these words, some of you would be dead. Some of you would have killed yourselves. Some of you would have lost your lives. But every time these words come to your spirit, you feel that you become another person. You become another man. Life comes into you. Things have not yet changed in your family and that's okay. But at least you're sitting under the incubation. The warmth of the spirit is still keeping and constructing you. And it's only a matter of time that this light will shine out of you. No wonder some of you have said you see the influence of this gospel changing you in your families, changing your career, changing your relationships, changing people around you. Even the people around you have noticed that there's something different about you. You're not that same woman that they new. They're saying, how come you're not hot-tempered? How come you're not, you know, bitter like you used to be? How come you're more humble? How come you're more tolerant? How come you're more understanding? The message is working through you. I read messages of people promoted, people getting into next jobs, people being called by the strangest things. Today I was talking to one of our boys. He has been chosen as a leading consultant with the Bill Gates Foundation. And this boy is so young, but you see, he's just graduated recently, but he's the one they want. You understand? You start to hear things and say, ah, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which we dare to ask or think according to the working power that worketh in us. What is that power? It is the treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of power might be of God. What is that treasure? It is that light that God commanded to shine inside us to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what do you need really? You need to know. You need to catch the revelation of your generation. God, I cannot tell those who lived in the 70s, but I'm alive in 2022. And whatever is available for 2022, God, my spirit is ready to receive it. I cannot speak for the person who lived in 1956. I cannot talk about the person who worked in 1946. Thank you for the revivals of 1800. Thank you for the first great awakening, the second great awakening. Thank you for Azusa. Thank you for the Pentecostal movement. Thank you for the praying movement. Thank you for the charismatic movement. Thank you for the word of faith movement. Thank you for the Holy Ghost movement. Thank you for the Quakers. Thank you for all of those men. But this is my time. And my generation needs a name for the move that is come. But it cannot come only because we are praying and fasting. We are praying and fasting. Thank you. And we will continue to pray and press on. But what are we looking for really? To connect to the revelation. To the light of our time. To the life of our time. To the vision of our time. To the perception of our time. If the purity of our conscience can allow us to catch God and what he is saying, it will never be about what you're teaching. It will be from the authority of which you're preaching because that is the place where the light out of you shines. Many men might say what you're saying, but the spirit that says it from you will be different. Somebody will sing the same song, but the day you sing it, you'll sing it from a certain authority. Men will preach, but when you preach, you will preach from a certain place. Men will prophesy, but when you get the microphone to prophesy, you'll prophesy from a certain light. And when that light comes, darkness can't hold it. 
Come and raise your voice. Speak to God. Speak to God. You have turned me well. You have turned me well. You have turned. Come and pray. Me well. Jesus. Ask God to connect you to the message of your generation. It's the same message, but with a greater knowledge. With more abundant understanding. With a multiplied experience and vision. That's what you should ask for. If you can get that, you will have the power to change your generation. Come on, speak to God. Speak to God. Oh, Come on, pray. 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 Uncoze bulunji, uncoze bulunji, uncoze bulunji. Yesu, uncoze bulunji, uncoze bulunji, uncoze bulunji. Yes, I speak upon your life that today your spirit is connecting to something 
bigger than you have ever seen. I'm going to count to five. One, two, three, four, five. Say, I receive it. Take it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is done. You're going to change your world. You're going to change your generation. If you've never been born again and you say, today I want to connect to this light. I want this life. Repeat this words after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Say, today. I have heard. Say it. Your words. And I have believed your testimony. I believe that you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I take you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.